Welcome to Now Appalachia. The Appalachian region covers 13 states in the U.S. and over 25 million people call the region home. This podcast profiles the authors and publishers with connections to Appalachia and how the region influences and impacts their creative work. And now, here's your host, author and Appalachian resident, Elliot Parker. And hello, friends, once again, and welcome inside to another episode of Now Appalachia, broadcast and heard here through the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Elliot Parker, and it's great to have you with us today. I'm delighted to welcome two guests to our program today. They are not only authors, but they are also podcast hosts themselves. And our two guests today are Sarah Stewart Holland and Beth Silvers. They host the Pantsuit Politics podcast which we're going to talk about here in just a few moments. And they are also uh, the authors of the brand new book called Now What? How to Move Forward When We're Divided About Basically Everything. And they're also the authors of the previous book, I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening. And so I'm delighted to welcome Sarah and Beth to the program today. They host the Pantsuit Politics podcast, which has been featured in the New York Times, The Atlantic, and named by Apple Podcasts as one of the best shows of 2021. They are also the authors of I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening, A Guide to Grace-Filled Political Conversation, and their new book is coming out in May of 2022. It's called Now What? How to Move Forward When We're Divided About Basically Everything. Both Sarah and Beth attended Transylvania University in Lexington, Kentucky, and received their Juris Doctors, Sarah from American University and Beth from the University of Kentucky. Sarah began her career as a congressional staffer, a campaign aide, and a blogger, as well as a social media consultant. She lives in Paducah, Kentucky, where she served as a term on the city as a city commissioner and volunteers as a court-appointed special advocate for children. And Beth has also practiced law and has served as a human resources executive and business coach. She lives in Union, Kentucky, and serves on several local boards of directors. She shares her life with her spouse, Nicholas, and children, Griffin, Amos, and Felix. Beth with her spouse, Chad, and children, Jane and Ellen. Sarah's dog, Cookie, and Beth's dog, Lucy, are also beloved and involuntary contributors to their work. And we had to make sure uh, that we got uh, both Cookie and Lucy mentioned in the introductions because we all know how important uh, pets are to the things that we do uh, each and every day. So ladies, welcome to the program. I'm just delighted to have you here as we talk about your podcast and your books. Welcome to Now Appalachia. Thank Thank you so so much much for having us. us. I wanted to ask you first, Beth, I'll throw this question off to you because, and Sarah, you can weigh in too on this. Um, In terms of, as as we look around our landscape today, uh, in terms of politics, discourse, because you all talk about this a lot on your podcast and write about this a lot in your two books, um, give us an assessment of what you see going on, what you see taking place in terms of our broad-based sort of political landscape, uh, the discourse that we see uh, both um, online, in print, face-to-face. What, what do you guys notice? What are you guys observing? And what have you guys observed here recently in terms of how those things uh, come together? That there is a lot of talking and very little communication and connection. We are saturated with information. We are saturated with voices. And I, I see the irony of a political podcaster saying this, but we're saturated with people telling us how we should think about things. And I think that saturation has led to a real sense of loneliness. And that sense of loneliness was compounded by a pandemic that caused us to have to physically separate from one another and view each other's bodies differently and as threatening in some cases to us or to people we love. 
And so what we hope to ask with now what is how might we start to reconnect with each other and to connect more deeply and to connect in more real and honest ways instead of just putting more information out there um, for, as we sometimes talk about the internet, the chorus of 10,000 voices in our lives, how can we really engage person to person, one relationship at a time to find a new richness in how we see each other? And I would add that what we try to talk about in our book and on our podcast is that this isn't just about like individual choices. This isn't about all of us just trying harder to be nicer or to, you know, agree to disagree, my least favorite phrase on planet earth. Um, But to really um, move past that individual perspective, that sort of, we talk about this in our book, that consumer perspective, that you know, I will do the one thing, I will buy the one product, I will hack the process and I will fix it and I won't have any more discomfort. Um, but just to, to start looking with fresh eyes at the people around us and the institutions that organize those people around us, including ourselves, um, with more care and curiosity and compassion um, so that we can start to, you know, improve, improve our communities, improve our institutions and improve our relationships. So it's a fascinating journey that you guys have formed here and a great partnership that you guys have formed as both uh, co-hosts of your podcast and also co-authors of these two books. So Sarah, I wanted to throw this one out to you first and then Beth, you can comment too if you'd like. Um, How did you guys meet? How did all of this start? At at what point did you sit down and say, you know what, we're going to do this podcast, we're going to do Pantsuit Politics, and we're going to write these two books, and and we're going to focus on on this issue about, about discourse and, and how we can do it better and politics and all this. How did you guys meet? How did all this get started? Well, we went to college together. We were sorority sisters, but we weren't particularly close friends. We just stayed um, connected through Facebook as most people did in the 2000s and the early 2010s. And um, we reconnected over natural childbirth, actually, once we both started having children. And then Beth reached out and asked if I would ever want to guest post on my parenting blog at the time because she was on maternity leave and we sort of rekindled our friendship and realized that we both really like to talk about politics, but that we didn't like the type of conversations we saw out there, that we both really like to think about the news and think about um, cultural trends as reflected in politics and reflected in the news, and that we wanted to have deeper, more curious conversations about that, conversations that allowed you to say, I don't know, or I changed my mind on that. And so we just started the podcast, partly because my husband had been harassing me to start a podcast and partly because we had really good conversational chemistry from the beginning. Um, And we thought like maybe our moms would listen. We thought maybe we'd just start talking about Kentucky politics at first and then people from Kentucky would listen. Um, And it very quickly became apparent that there was a hunger for these types of conversations beyond Kentucky and um, beyond sort of what we ever dreamed when we started the podcast. Yeah, I wish I could say that we sat down with a plan, Hmm. but it's been more that we try to meet a need in ourselves and then we find that other people have that need too. And so we keep exploring, you know, so we, we started having these conversations with each other because we needed them. We needed them so much that we were fitting them in at nine, 10 o'clock at night after we were finished working, after our kids had gone to bed. Uh, We both had tiny little ones when we first started the show, we were exhausted all the time, but we, we really needed to kind of work these important things out with each other. And so um, we, we started doing it so that we could help ourselves. Uh, And then our audience came alongside us 
The first book was um, our attempt to say, what is it that we're actually doing in these conversations? Because we disagree a lot. We're really different people with very different personalities and styles. We often have different priorities. I think we have very common values, but different priorities. And so in our first book, I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. We tried to step back and say, what is it that we're doing on the podcast and how can we crystallize that for others? With the second book, so much changed after we wrote that first book. We had the Trump administration, we had COVID-19, and we wanted to have a new opportunity in print to say, what do we think matters now? And so the second book is much less explicitly political than the first book, because I think what's really dividing us right now and where Sarah and I have something to offer, at least some questions to offer, centers on our relationships to each other and looking at politics as an outgrowth of those relationships instead of just politics on its own terms. We can't roll in post-COVID and say, well, let's talk about state and local government before we first say, no, you're a person who didn't go to a wedding in your family or maybe doesn't want to go back to church or maybe is worried about whether you'll ever gather with people again for Christmas or whether you'll ever be able to take that European vacation you wanted to take, whatever it is, we wanted to start there and then work our way towards the political topics that we discuss on the podcast twice a week. Very good, very good. I wanted to ask you a couple questions about the first book. I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. Um, I like that there's kind of four big themes that you guys emphasize in that book. One of them is respecting the dignity of every person, The second theme is recognizing the issues and all issues are nuanced and you can't really reduce them to political talking points that we oftentimes see online or hear in the media. The third one is listen in order to understand. And the fourth one is lead with grace and patience. And one of the things I loved about both of your books and the podcast as well is I feel like every time I engage with your all's thoughts and ideas and discussions, I learn something new. And I was thinking about those four themes. I really feel like the last two I don't do very well. People I know in my life that I love dearly don't do this very well. And that is listen in order to understand. I think we listen to react instead of listen, Uh interpret and process. And we oftentimes don't lead with grace and patience. We lead uh, for recognition, for attention, for, you know, climbing some kind of a ladder, either on our jobs or our families or whatever. Uh, Can you talk about about those two themes in, in that first book? And and where you kind of see us as a society, I guess, at large, and, and how can we do a better job of listening in order to understand and leading with grace and patience instead of uh, the opposite way? And, and Beth, I'll start with you on that one. Well, I think listening to understand is really difficult in a society where we engage with a lot of media outside of our work life. Much of our behavior, I think, is informed by what we see in media, whether consciously or unconsciously. And Sarah and I have done not a lot of television, but enough television now to realize that on television, you cannot listen to understand. You must listen to react. There isn't enough time. The conversation has to be so contained. If you speak for more than about 45 seconds, you can feel everybody's like, no, 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 it's time to make a change now. And I think that subtly that works on us. And we start to approach conversations with people in our lives as though there's not enough time for me to take a pause and really think about what somebody just said, or there's not another opportunity to have this conversation. So I got to get all my points in this time while we're talking to each other. A lot of what Sarah and I encourage 
that helps us in our own lives and that I know is helpful to other people is just thinking of this as a long-term relationship and that every political conversation we have can contribute to or detract from that long-term relationship. And sometimes it's going to do both at once, but we get another chance. We get to keep coming back. So slowing everything down and realizing this isn't my only chance. And there is time for me to think about this. And I can even say, I got to think about that for a while. Love talk to, I would love to talk to you about this again. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. That's what I was going to add is that I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to talk in a circle, just go with me. (laughs) I feel like we can't listen because we never really get a chance to talk about it. Because when we talk, we're just talking and we're not listening. I know that sounds circular, but because we all know it's important, these things are important to us. We care, or maybe honestly, sometimes maybe it's not important, but we're worried about it and we're anxious about it. And because we can't ever talk about it, it just festers and grows. So when I ran for office, I ran for city commission in my hometown of Paducah, Kentucky. I knocked on 5,000 doors. And when you knock on a door and ask for a vote, people are like, this is my chance. I finally get to talk about this political stuff that's making me mad. And it's like verbal diarrhea. Like people are just anxious and they're concerned and maybe they're confused and they have questions, but there's no space for that in politics. So they project anger and certainty um, because it's wrapped up in our country and our families and our jobs and our relationships. And it's all these really important things that we're told, especially, you know, as women, especially in the South, it's like, well, don't talk about it. You know, we don't talk about politics or religion when that's, what's like consuming people. That's like the, that's wrapped up in how we live together and what's important to us. And when we can't talk about it, it just grows and grows and grows. And so when we finally get a chance to quote unquote, talk about it, we're definitely not in a place to listen because we have so much to say that we've been saving up. Um, And so I think that's what gets us in those spaces where it's just like, you know, everybody's just projecting everything on you. Yeah, very well said. Very well said. One of my favorite quotes from, from your book, and there were so many, but I wanted to ask you about this one uh, from your first book. I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. Um, I, I wrote this down or highlighted this in the book. We must keep our politics in perspective. Our government is important, yes, but we don't have to care about it every minute. Our values are certainly represented in our politics, But politics should never be the only or even the greatest manifestation of our values. Our faith can inform our politics, but we must maintain sufficient space between the two for us to see clearly when we are and are not embodying our faith through our political actions. And I think you guys touched on those uh, just a minute ago. But could you comment uh, about the significance of that quote? And I I was trying to pick that quote because I felt like that that encapsulated everything that you guys were focusing on in your book. And I know you stri- you strive to talk about those issues on your podcast. Can you give us some feedback? Sarah, we'll start with you first. Uh, some comments on, on that quote and thoughts on that quote from your book. I mean, look, it's hard for me. I am a person that loves politics and I'm consumed by it. And I want it to mean everything all the time. I was a political science major. I went to law school. I worked on Capitol Hill. Um, and so there's a big voice in my head, set, head that says, this stuff is important. It affects our lives every day. But also I understand and I know and I have just like had to put it in my cells that it can't hold everything. It wasn't built for that. It's a really, really bad vehicle to have conversations about like life and death and what a good life looks like. It's just it's not a great tool for that. Doesn't mean it's not an important tool. It's just a bad tool for that. Um, So I just think that 
with politics in particular, when, and when we say like, it can't hold everything, but it's important. It's just that it's that paradox, right? It's that sort of circular way we wrap ourselves around these important topics. Um, and that's another thing we talk in the book a lot is paradoxes that it is both true that it is very important. And also it can't hold everything. You know, I think about this all the time. If you're a person who really cares about politics and somebody doesn't, and you just get in this place of like, they're stupid or they're selfish. Um, but you just don't know, you know, I, I, I'll never forget like a few, it was like a month ago and it was in the midst of maybe like the beginning of the invasion of Ukraine or, or some really, really important news cycle. And a, f- a friend of mine on Facebook was just like posting about all these intense drama she was having with her ex-husband in their custody. And I thought like, this is what's consuming people's lives or they have a chronic illness or they receive a shocking diagnosis or they're affected by extreme weather. And it's like, they can't be consumed with this right now. Like the, the, if government is functioning, like we take care of people in moments like that, we don't shame them because they're not consumed with the headline, right? Like we have a safety net built around people for those moments when they can't possibly have an opinion on the latest political controversy because they're dealing with real stuff in their lives. Um, And I think that's what we were trying to get at when we talked about that. Yeah. I have an 11 year old daughter who I can see is starting to be influenced more by, you know, people who are not named mom and dad. And what I've been trying to tell her about this moment in her life uh, is just to remember who she is. You know, you're going to a, a sleepover, remember who you are while you're there. And I hope that what we um, invite people to do as they think about their own politics is to remember who they are before going into that space instead of allowing that space to define who they are. That's what worries me when I think about partisanship. I think we have a lot of people in our country um, of many different political philosophies who are defined by the very high stakes and they are high and they are real, but who are defined by the high stakes of politics instead of bringing who they are as defined by lots of other things uh, into that realm and using those strengths to, to affect the kinds of changes that they're interested in seeing politically. We are speaking with authors and podcast co-hosts Sarah Stewart Holland and Beth Silvers on this episode of Now Appalachia. We're talking to them and with them about uh, their podcast called Pantsuit Politics and also their two books. I think I know you're I think you're wrong, but I'm listening. And their new book, Now What? How to Move Forward When We're Divided About Basically Everything. I wanted to ask you both um, about your new book and, and much like your first book. And now what? You guys have several themes that you identify and that come through uh, in the book. One of them is engaging your family with a spirit of curiosity. And I think certainly uh, none of us, we all have issues, family issues, but we, we oftentimes don't look at our families with a sense of curiosity. We look at them as uh, uh, sometimes a, a source of, of pain and, and scorn and, and old secrets and you know, bringing up the hatchet to uh, harm someone. And I'm so glad you talked about that. But you also talk about listening closely to the anxieties and fears of your friends. But the one I really loved in this, um, and there's one about understanding your work as a citizen in a very diverse country that is constantly changing and is certainly really changing uh, in the last five or 10 years. And um, hold lightly those things that are beyond your control and only worrying about things that you can control. But the one I really loved, and I'm so glad you all included in, in this book, um, where, where you're kind of looking at 
um, looking at our lives as mired in conflict and how can we see through that. You all talk about exploring uh, uh, shared values within your community. And one of the things that you guys really emphasize in that section is that we have more that unite us than divide us. And that if we are members of a community, a work community, a professional community, a, um, a religious community, uh, whatever it may be, that we have more in common than we have uh, uh, that dividing us and separating us. Can you guys talk a little bit about that theme and what you guys notice and see uh, as you guys talk about these issues on your podcast? You obviously write about it in the book uh, about this notion that we have more in common, I think, than what divides us, because I think you guys really uh, talk about that a lot and do it really well in the book. And uh, Beth, I'll start with you on that one. It's easy to say that and it sound trite or cliche, mm -hmm. and I understand that. What I hope we are saying is not we have more in common than divides us politically. It is we have more in common than divides us as humans and that human experience needs to inform our political participation. And we can especially see that when we look more locally with our politics, that you and I share a street. And so however we might feel about who ought to be the next president, we are invested in the quality of our water and our trash pickup and whether there is littering going on in our community and how fast everybody's driving down this street. And the more we work together on those issues, the more opportunity we have to influence each other on who ought to be the next president or whatever it is that we would be fighting about on Facebook. But I think what we are hoping to do is say we have more in common when we are working together towards common ends. Symbolically, we might not and we might not ever. But when it comes to the reality in front of us and we're willing to roll up our sleeves and think through what impacts us right here and now, we can get a lot done and forge relationships that help us through that symbolic mess that we're mired in. We've been talking about this recently on the, the podcast too, because it is hard. I think we've spent a lot of work as Americans needed, desperately, desperately needed work on articulating and building empathy and understanding and compassion around our differences. And I do not want to downplay that because it is essential. It is essential. And it is essential that people hear us and say, I'm glad you told me because I don't understand what that's like. Um, and at the same time, you know, it, Beth always says we have a tendency to overcorrect in America. Like, I think we've gotten to a point where it's like, I don't understand what that's like. And that separates us from one another. My experience separates you from me. And I, I don't want us to do that. I think that's damaging. I think that we have to find a space to say, I don't understand your perspective, but I understand what it's like to be sad. And we're still human beings having a human experience and we're still in community together and we still want to build something together. Um, and we, st and there is, there is commonality. Um, between us as humans, um, we have to, we have to keep that, our eye on that, that shared human experience, because I think if we don't, it, then the, the solution is dehumanizing. No, you're just different. You're fundamentally different from me. Um, and I think that that, that dehumanization and that, that separation, that shunning, that segregating can be really dangerous. And I love the now what book, because I think 
ultimately when you get to, to close to the end or, or, or past the midway point, you know, you, you start to see that hope, love, and connection, uh, you guys emphasize this, are the way that we're going to get through this and that we're going to kind of move past uh, some, of this, some of these partisan differences we have or this tribal mentality that you all were just talking about uh, that divide us. I wanted to ask you about uh, as podcast hosts, and you guys touched on this, I think Beth touched on this a few minutes ago, when she was talking about the news and we, and we can't, we, we can't get what we need out of the news because the way programs are structured now, it, do you all feel like podcasts are the, one of the places or the spaces where we can have these conversations because it's not driven by advertising revenue. It's not driven by uh, NBC universal or uh, Fox Corp or some big overlord corporate organization. that's trying to get as much money out of the product as possible. Um, are podcasts going to be, you know, the place where we can have these conversations because we're not we're not uh, we're not uh, connected to advertising and we're not connected to ratings and we're not connected in, to these things and the fact that anybody can really if they want to could start a podcast and 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 do one is podcasting and podcast a place where we can have these conversations do you all feel like in the future and and do you all see your show as as one of those sort of quote-unquote virtual living rooms where people can can tune in and and feel like they've they've got a chance to participate I mean, I think so. Obviously, we believe in the medium. The best part about podcasting is not just the long form where you can stretch out a little bit and you can leave some room for not like conclusion after conclusion after conclusion, right? Like you could just have a little space to leave some silence, leave some questions. Um, that's what's really powerful about the medium. And also, I think the the other powerful part is that there is, it's the intimacy of people listening to you. It's just a, you know, it's a different thing than reading. And also you can't like skim a podcast. I mean, you can listen to it at a faster speed and I wouldn't lie and say I haven't done that, but you can't just pick out the parts of the podcast you want to be enraged about, right? Like it's more of an investment to listen to the conversation and to to listen to the the hosts and, and to get to know them. And I think that's why our community is so powerful because it, it feels so different than when I was blogging, when people could just jump into a post, pick out a part that made them mad and leave. Um, it just feels very, very different than that. So, I mean, I, I love the medium. I think it's a very powerful medium. I agree with all of that. And I would add that I think all of that was more true when we started than it is today, because our tendency with all forms of all things, it seems, is as they grow, we kind of decide what they are and we start to have certain expectations around them. And so when we started podcasting, it was very free form. It was the wild west. People were doing all kinds of different things. It was that anyone could start a podcast and reach an audience and do what they were doing. It was just extremely creative. And it has become less so. The industry to me undoubtedly has become less creative as more players, big players have entered it as the audience has grown, as there is more money to be made off of it. But that creativity is available to us if we'll take it. There is some risk. I think what's beautiful about podcasting when it's done in a pure way is that it trusts the audience. Like Sarah was saying, it trusts the audience to stick with you through the pause. It trusts the audience to let you meander for a second and find something new that you hadn't planned in the conversation. And that's available on cable. They got 24 hours a day. Like they could do that, but we don't really trust each other with that. And I, I hope another thing that our book offers is a sense that whether it's a podcast or it's your workplace or it's your family, we can disrupt the pattern. We can disrupt what we've all settled into and bring that creativity again to have an experience 
that feels more like what we all need right now. And we don't have to make that a new thing that we then replicate. We can disrupt that experience to meet the new moment and, and have a sense of connection in the way that feels right to us next. So in our final few minutes with you uh, all today, uh, Sarah and Beth, uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. And I wish we had more time to talk more about uh, the issues in the book and, and these other issues. But I did want to give you a chance to uh, let our audience know if they want to get in contact with you, uh, reach out to you to talk to you uh, about your careers, uh, about your writing, uh, what you guys are up to. How, where can they find you uh, online, on, on the Internet, on social media? How can they get and find Pantsuit Politics, your podcast, and where can they get copies of both of your books? So, Beth, I'll start with you. Where, where can folks reach you and, and where can they find the podcast and how can they stay connected with what you guys are up to? Well, our podcast is anywhere you listen to shows and our book should be anywhere that you buy books. But the easiest way to kind of find everything that we make in one place is our website, pantsupoliticsshow.com. We have an email newsletter that every week details all the things we made that week and lets you click through to the things that interest you. So pantsupoliticsshow.com and you can sign up for our email right on the homepage. Um, and that will take you to links to the book, to the podcast, to the to the many, many archives of conversations that we've had over the years to our membership community to the speaking that we do that's kind of the front door Sarah how about for you if someone wants to get in contact with you or, or to reach out to you maybe individually how can they do that yeah we both have our individual Instagram accounts that we use and post on I'm a big traveler so I post all my family's itineraries and travel I'm at bluegrass red and Beth is at Beth silvers at inst on Instagram our guests today on Now Appalachia have been Sarah Stewart-Holland and Beth Silvers. They are the co-hosts of the outstanding podcast called Pantsuit Politics, which has been featured in the New York Times, The Atlantic, and named by Apple Podcasts as one of the best shows of 2021, and you really need to follow it and listen to it if you're not doing so already. And they're also the co-authors of two terrific books called I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening, uh, and the brand new book, which is coming out in May of 2022. It's called Now What? how to move forward when we're divided about basically everything. And Sarah and Beth, it was a delight to have you on the program today. Thanks so much for sharing your talent and your expertise with us. Congratulations on the new book and we'll keep listening to the podcast. And uh, as you guys get another book done uh, in the future, we'd love to have you back on the show to talk about it. So thanks so much oh, for the Thank you. Uh, we would love to. Thank you so much for having us. We want to take a moment as we finish up on this episode of Now Appalachia to give a shout out to our executive producer. Her name is Pam Stack. We appreciate all the uh, behind the scenes work that she does to make these podcasts possible each and every episode and each and every time that you tune in here on the network to Now Appalachia. And we also want to remind you that this is a copyrighted podcast that is owned and operated by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. That is going to do it for us this time on Now Appalachia, but please come again next time. And in the meantime, stay tuned. For more podcasts and stay well and see you someplace soon, I hope. You've been listening to Now Appalachia. This is a podcast owned and operated by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. For questions or comments about this program and to learn more about the host, Elliot Parker, and his books, visit his website at www.elliotparker.com. Stay tuned. More outstanding podcasts are coming your way next from the authors on the Air Global Radio Network.